Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Hi, Jessica here and... Patrick. Hey, Jess. So I thought we should start out by talking a little bit about how you and I first met. (laughs) Yes, that's one of my husband's favorite topics. (laughs) Because I've been known to do this, where I read a book and then I feel that the author needs to hear from me. In 2017, I wrote this book called How to Be Married. To research it, I traveled around the world with my brand new husband. We interviewed hundreds of men and women about exactly that. How do you be married? How do you make this marriage thing work? I read your book in like, I don't know, a day or two. And then immediately started working on a drafted letter to you. I just felt like we already were kind of friends. So I didn't respond to Jess's email right away. It was flattering and warm and funny, but also really heartbreaking. This is Jess's email. Dear Joe, your book didn't disappoint. I felt so connected to many of your thoughts and feelings that I wanted to tell you about my own first year of marriage. You see, my husband and I were blown up at the Boston Marathon bombing together, just seven months into our marriage. I'm fairly certain we did our entire first year of marriage wrong. Both of my legs were amputated below the knee. My husband lost one leg. After the bomb went off, while we lay together, confused, ears ringing and bleeding out on the cement, he turned and simply said to me, We will figure this out. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. When I finally wrote Jess back, I told her that I wanted to hear absolutely everything. Jess and Patrick met in their mid-20s, and from the very beginning, it was one of those adorable love stories. I was watching the 2006 College Football National Championship in my buddy Tom Tracy's apartment in Washington, D.C., and all of a sudden there was a knock at the door 
it was this really beautiful woman in gym clothes. And having gone to an all-boys high school, I didn't really know what to say or do. So I just sat there on the couch with my hat down low. And she stayed in the doorway because she worried that she might smell a little bit having returned from the gym. But that was our first meeting. We at least said hello to each other from a distance. It took a while for me to ask Jess out on a date. I didn't really have the skills to uh, know exactly what to say. But once we did, we had a really special time together. They were this really active young couple. They both loved running and would regularly race around the monuments in D.C. Hearts pounding, sweaty, energized. They'd stop along the way to steal a kiss. After work, Jess would often meet Patrick at the Metro so they could go out for the night. I can distinctly remember getting off at DuPont Circle and Jess walking toward me. And the one particular image I have is her in this spectacular red dress. Even though I had seen her many times before, just seeing her and feeling like my breath had been taken away. You know, we didn't have a lot of free time. We didn't have a lot of spending money, but it was just like this really magical light time marked by like freedom, spontaneity. I don't know. It felt like you had your whole future ahead of you with this magical person. So things just felt really limitless. Jess ended up moving to Baltimore. Patrick to Boston. But it didn't matter. They were in love and willing to make long-distance work. We dated a really long time before we got engaged. We were, what, dating for... Six years. I think seven. Six. Seven, all right. Somewhere in, the, in between there before we got engaged. Six or seven years of dating can feel like an eternity, especially to a woman. And it felt like an eternity to Jess. She was a little freaked out that Patrick hadn't proposed yet. Well, not long after I moved to Boston, I had a little bit of a breakdown where I had left a job that I loved and friends that I loved. And I said to Patrick, you know, am I even on the short list of people you want to marry? Like, (laughs) am I making it to like the top five or something at this point? It was scary to not, you know, start a new job. I didn't know anybody and where he had a ton, tons of friends and family around here and was so connected and rooted. And I'm kind of like, what's going on? Then one night, Patrick asked Jess to go to dinner with his parents. And I didn't think anything of it until Patrick started acting super weird. Patrick was desperately trying to find a way to get Jess to Boston Common. I'm not really thinking a proposal's coming. And at this point, we've been together for about, some say six, some say seven years, Mm -hmm. depending on when you start the clock. And so he takes me into the common. The trees are all lit up for Christmas. It's freezing cold. We're supposed to go to dinner, but I don't know my way around Boston yet. So I don't know that we're actually, we drove in the wrong direction of the restaurant. And he got down on his knee and he could barely get the words out. Will you marry me? And also, I have to say here, he got down on his knee and there was no ring. There was no hope or promise of a ring. And I believe my first response was, are you kidding me? Just the words that you're always hoping to hear. (laughs) But there was this family ring that Patrick was waiting to give to Jess. It was her maternal grandmother's ring and he knew how much she loved it. Which was in her mother's freezer 
in a bag of frozen peas because if someone were to break into their home, the last place they would look for jewelry was in frozen peas. Well, yeah, Although now, now it's going to be the first yeah, now, place they look. I knew how important that ring was to Jessica. I didn't have it with me at the time, but I hope that she was able to imagine it someday on her finger. But did you eventually say yes? There was like maybe a sure or a yep. I don't know if I ever got like a you know hard and fast yes. I don't remember. Well, no. Patrick, did you eventually get the ring out of the peas? Yeah, we yeah, it came out of the peas. We defrosted it for a while. It had incredible uh, nutritious value to it. By that point, neither of them wanted to wait to get married. It had been six, some say seven, years after all. They planned their wedding in just eight months. It was small, a hundred family and friends. They had this rule that both Jess and Patrick had to know everyone who was there. Just really intimate, magical. If there were little hiccups, we didn't care, didn't notice. We had fun at our own wedding, which I think not everyone can, can say. Life was going really well for Jess and Patrick. It was the life that both of them had always wanted. That's why it might be a good time for us to take a little break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Fast forward seven months. Life was good. Really, really good. Jess and Patrick were living in this cozy, adorable apartment in Cambridge. They decorated it themselves. They finally felt like grown-ups. Patrick had just learned that he got a fellowship to UC San Francisco. They were excited about planning this move to the West Coast. The Boston Marathon is always held on Patriots Day. That's the third Monday in April for you folks who don't live in New England and didn't know Patriots Day was a holiday. In 2013, it fell on April 15th. And the Boston Marathon already underway for some. Marathon Monday is a big deal in Boston, especially if you're a runner. Jess and Patrick both had that day off which was rare for them. They decided, why not go to the finish line and cheer the other runners on? I was standing behind Patrick, and so my arms were around his shoulders, and I was on my tippy toes trying to, like, use his height to get leverage to see the runners coming in. And I remember just the sun shining on my face. I mean, this sounds so trite or 
I don't know, too good to be true or corny, but I just remember feeling really happy. We've all had these kinds of days. Gorgeous, perfect days. The days when your life finally feels like it's all fallen into place. You know, I really loved my job. I was really enjoying our time in Boston. We had this tiny little apartment, but it was so cozy. And um, I don't know, for the first time in a long time, I didn't feel like I was striving for anything specifically. I felt really content. That's when the unthinkable happened. Uh, Let's get now to Boston. Apparently, there's been an explosion at the Boston Marathon. It was about 15, 20 minutes ago near the finish line on Boylston Avenue here in Boston when I heard two explosions. The first one I saw close to the finish line from where we were. It was big. It was booming. I saw a big mountain of smoke come up. Uh, And about 10 seconds later, across the street from me, on the sidewalk, another big explosion. Uh, People are hurt. They've stopped the Boston Marathon. I don't remember a loud noise, actually. Um, I just remember feeling like there was a rocket beneath us, and we shot way up into the air and landed right next to each other because, like I said, my arms were around Patrick's shoulders. It was smoky. There was people screaming, but the screams seemed really distant because both of us had our eardrums blown out, so we couldn't really hear anything, and there was, like, a loud ringing People were immediately rushing over to us. I very quickly assessed Patrick's left leg. It looked really bad. I was trying to shield him from seeing it because I didn't want him to panic. And I was using my purse straps to try to make a tourniquet. And I was so, I thought I was so aware of what was going on, but I really wasn't because a man came up and pushed me down and he said, you're on fire, you're on fire. My whole backside was on fire and I didn't even notice. The only thing Jess remembers thinking is that this is totally out of your control right now. There's nothing you can do. They put the fire out on me, on my back. They cut my clothes off. I heard them yell to another person about my legs and I was put on a stretcher And they took me to the tent that was set up for, like, dehydrated runners and pulled hamstrings, you know. So this tent was not at all prepared for what it was faced with that day. Right before they picked me up on the stretcher, the only thing Patrick said to me was, that's my wife. Which I I think you can remember, when you're first married, it takes a while before you get used to saying that. Those words seem so weird when you first start saying, you know, my wife would like a, a coffee. Like it's, you're just not used to it. And so in this really crazy traumatic setting to hear him say it, it just really stood out to me. And then he looked at me and said, we'll figure this out. Jess assumed that she and Patrick would be taken to the same hospitals, but they were immediately separated. And that's when my panic set in because I, I thought he was going to bleed out and die on the street. Patrick had no identification on him. He was admitted to the hospital as a John Doe. And he ended up getting identified by his wedding band that had PB&J, which we he's Patrick Barrett, and I'm Jessica. And I don't know, it was, fun, it was funny one day to us. To be, so we called ourselves PB&J, which is really ironic because I don't even like PB&J. But anyway, PB&J, and then it had our wedding date, 8 12 And so when his nurse or someone took the ring off, they were able to use that to talk to his parents to help identify him. How long before you knew that he was alive? 
Uh, I didn't know till the next day. Someone might have told me before then, but I was on so much medication, and that's when they told me he lost a leg and I lost a leg. They spoke a couple of times on the phone, but it was hard for both of them to hear. Their eardrums were pretty shattered. When Jess was actually able to come to my hospital room, just to be able to see each other, touch each other, kiss each other, was like was the first tangible evidence that we were alive. You know, we were excited to see each other, and then the next moment, we were both dissolved in tears. The next moment, we were checking each other's bodies and and seeing what the damage, what kind of damage had been done. I don't remember exactly what we said, but the feelings were we were just both so grateful to be alive. There was this feeling of like, whatever else is going on here, like at the end of the bed, and there was a lot going on at both the end of our beds, tubes and drains and wound vacuums and all these things that like, we'll figure that out later. But to be able to see him and um, like, I couldn't believe like it was my husband's face and his voice and his hands and his teeth and like all these other things were still there and still him. I think we were just really grateful. Jess and Patrick were hospitalized for five to six weeks. Then they did another five weeks in a rehab hospital. It was Jess who stabilized first. Patrick was really sick in the beginning for a long time, sicker than me. And so our focus was really on him and saving his knee. He almost lost his knee, which there's a big difference between a lower leg amputee and above knee amputee. We had to move out of our apartment because we were on a fourth floor walk-up in Harvard Square. We had to get a new car because our tiny car didn't hold two wheelchairs. Patrick lost his fellowship at UC San Francisco. I couldn't do my job. I was a a floor nurse working 12-hour shifts on my feet. I can't name one aspect of our life that wasn't touched by this and and just totally flipped upside down. Well, it was a, a pretty quick test of whether or not we meant it when we said our vows to each other. I think when a lot of couples vow to be there with their partner in the bad times and in the times of sickness, we imagine it being much further down the road. Think about what this was like. They went from being really healthy young adults. Their entire lives were in front of them. They had plans to move across the country, start new jobs, eventually to start a family. Now they were a couple who could no longer even walk down the street together and hold one another's hands. In some ways, it was like fast-forwarding to what life would have been like 80 years from now. It took away a lot of that intimacy that we were so used to having. The freedom to be able to go anywhere we wanted. Uh, We realized quickly how inaccessible a lot of our world is to people with disabilities how much help we needed from our parents and siblings to do very basic tasks. We lost a lot of the privacy that we had once had. So a lot of conversations that would normally occur just between a husband and wife or a married couple instead occurred with our parents around or our siblings or our medical professionals. And so we had to figure out new ways to just be together for us to sit next to each other on a couch so that we could hold each other's hands, or how we parked our wheelchairs in just the right way that we could be close to each other. And I do feel 
robbed of that honeymoon year that while hard, there is some lightness and, and some beauty to it. Going through this, I remember thinking very, very early on, oh my God, did I marry the right person? Because I couldn't go through this with anybody else. And it just really, I don't know, I guess like solidified that I that I chose this person with all these these amazing qualities that was gonna be a real partner in the in this real mindfuck. I have no other I have no other term. Patrick really started to take off. His mobility was getting better and better. He was getting healthier every day. That's when it became clear that Jess's right leg wasn't healing the way that it should. I was in constant pain. My leg was really deformed and my foot didn't fit in shoes and I was missing a lot of really important pieces of a foot and a leg that make your human foot and leg work so well. And then I had to make this decision, do I keep my leg or not? I mean, how do you help a spouse make that kind of decision? There was periods where my depression was just so deep and so dark that, I don't know, I couldn't even be there for myself, let alone be a partner for Patrick. I mean, he must have just felt really alone and really lost. I think it's important after the fact to acknowledge that time and say, you know, I'm sorry, I couldn't be better, have more energy or be happier, more pleasant. I'm working on it, but that was truly the best I had. They pretty much lived at Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda for three years. Jess had countless surgeries. In the end, they decided together to amputate her right leg. And I'm now a bilateral baloney amputee. Patrick is a single left leg baloney amputee. We're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we'll talk about what came next, how they began to rebuild their lives. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Jess felt like she'd been robbed. Robbed of time. Robbed of possibilities. We all create a timeline for how we expect our lives to end up. But someone threw a bomb right into the middle of Jess and Patrick's timeline. Literally. Jess had just turned 32 a month before the bombing. They had wanted kids. That first time she came out of the hospital in a wheelchair, she thought, that should be me coming out of the hospital with a baby, not having my leg amputated, 
I really just felt like I was supposed to have a baby in my arms. Like I was supposed to have a baby in my arms and Patrick was supposed to be pulling the car around because in my early 30s, that was the only time I could imagine myself in a wheelchair in a hospital. Those were some like potentially prime childbearing years. The bombing stole our ability to have, I don't know, this conversation without all these added concerns and worries. Do you guys still want kids? I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, but just for people to know, it is one of the most painful topics for me. This time is the first time that we've been able to kind of take a breath because I haven't been having back-to-back surgeries and pull apart like, what is the part that's true desire or just what I was socialized or brought up to think? Do we want to still have kids? Some people like to say, well, you can. And it's like, well, I might be able to physically, yes, I don't know. But it doesn't always mean you should. From the moment you get married, everyone from your parents to the checkout clerk at Trader Joe's starts asking you one question. When are you going to start having kids? Even though everything that happened to them was so incredibly visible on their bodies, this question just kept coming up for Jess and Patrick, often at the most awkward times. Strangers will bring up to me to cocktail party. And I feel like saying that's a rude question. I don't think these people that I don't know very well are trying to upset me or hurt my feelings. I just think that in some weird way, they really want us to have kids, that somehow having kids on the ending of this story means that Patrick and I made it through or that we're okay. You know, so people can say, I know this couple and they were blown up together and they lost legs and they had a really hard time. And now they're like, now look at their Christmas card and they have like three kids or something. Like that's kind of... At least that's the sense that I get, that that's the ending that people want. It is the ending people want, and it sucks. It really sucks, and I'm so sorry. I think people are obsessed with the idea of a happy ending. They need it. They don't need it for you. They need it for them. I think in general, because of all this, we've had to have really in-depth thoughtful discussions about the meaning of life, you know, that you might like chat about in the early dating years, but we had to like really dig into it and get a sense of, well, how do we envision our family? How do we envision our relationship? What would make us a loving couple? What would make us have lived a purposeful and meaningful life? And not just talk about it in the philosophical, but then figure out how that actually translates to day to day. And, you know, we joke sometimes that even though we've been married for five plus years, that because of how intense this experience is, we feel like we get to add some time. We're also together all the time. That's the other weird thing. We don't really go to separate places until recently. We go to all the same PT, the prosthetist, get our legs worked on, go to the doctor. Like we did everything together. So I add up how many hours we spend on average a day. And I think the average married couple spends like, I don't know, something like three and a half waking hours or something, according to one study. So I do my own calculation and I'll say, um, honey, happy 17th anniversary. And we celebrate whatever one, my math, good or bad, says it is. But I think that once I started doing that, it really put things into perspective because I think we have the wisdom 
of something like a 17-year marriage, but we also have the wear of a 17-year-old marriage. And I think there's good and bad and beauty and some ugliness mixed into that. It's kind of like dog years in a way. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We also try to be very intentional about how we spend time together, carving out time for couples therapy, to go to our personal trainer to exercise. You know, exercise is good for everybody, but for us, it's almost essential in order to keep our body with the pieces that we have left moving in some symphony. And it's definitely a symphony when I move. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's got a lot of metal clinging around. So we're still practicing what it means to be living at home and not being patients anymore. Because we have so many like businessy related things about like our the kids book we wrote together or a speaking engagement or finances and we found that bringing that up like right before bed or over dinner can cause indigestion and upset. So we try to like set time aside to talk about those things. So we have couples office hours and they're as romantic as they sound. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. Because if you talk about those things before you go to bed, then no one's going to get any sleep and no one's ever going to have sex ever again. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Two very important things for a happy marriage, by the way. <laughs> There's been so much about this recovery for us that has been healing for me, but upsetting for Jess or healing for Jess and upsetting for me or recognizing the fact that Jess was incredibly resilient and decided to wake up every morning, realizing perhaps that I may have failed in that particular day to comfort her or to communicate effectively, but owning up to that and deciding the next day to try to be better at it. You know, there are plenty of people and plenty of couples in this world who have never been blown up together, but that doesn't mean they don't face a lot of challenges and adversity. Even when things are really rough and you feel uh, separated from each other, there are ways to feel that sense of closeness and togetherness again. And it requires a lot of work. It's exhausting. It's so worthwhile in the end, knowing that you have a partner by your side who you're battle-tested with. Jess and Patrick are now back living in Cambridge. Their parents live down the street and they can come over to help them. Jess is trying to figure out how she can be a nurse again. Patrick is hoping to use his doctorate in clinical psychology to work with veterans and other people with disabilities. Together, they wrote a children's book about rescue. He's Jessica's therapy dog. They call him their first child. This is the two of them doing a reading of their book last month. So would you like to hear the story we wrote about him? Yes. All right. Rescue and Jessica, a life-changing friendship. That's Rescue as a puppy. Pretty cute. It's nice to meet you, Rescue, said Jessica. She looks so nice and so pretty, Rescue thought. Rescue stood up very tall. He hoped she didn't notice that his legs were trembling, but his wagging tail gave him away. 
Jessica smiled a big smile and laughed a big laugh for the first time in a long time. You rescued me, rescue, said Jessica. But the truth was, they had rescued each other. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Jessica Kinski and Patrick Downs. This episode was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt, with additional editing by Alex Williams and Tyler Kling. Additional recording by Isis Madrid. Mixing by Alex Williams and Tristan McNeil. Original music by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikader, and Will Pearson. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, send an email to joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.